Amen. Thank you, worship team. Good morning. Good, good to see you here this morning. I love coming to Living, Living Waters Fellowship. So many familiar faces for me. Uh, people that I recognize, of course, my, my brother and sister-in-law, Chad and Allie DeClean are here. Uh, my former RA in college, your pastor, Josh Daggett, he's here. We still get along. That's okay. And uh, then my, my long, long, long-time friend, Robbie Pearson. So good to see Robbie. And uh, he's, he's still going to be my friend after today, although he did, uh, he did accuse me of using just for men in my beard. And uh, that is false, Robbie. This is all natural, and uh, I can't grow hair on my head. Don't take my beard away from me, okay? And uh, this is kind of the beard church I see too, so that's cool. But it's great to be with you guys this morning. It's very exciting to be able to open the Word and share with you to share our heart for church planning and also what God is doing and teaching us. My name is Stephen Moore. I'm the Engage Network Church Planting Resident. Just a long title that says, someday when I grow up, I want to be like Pastor Josh. And uh, my wife, Ellen, is here, and then our five kids are with us as well. Uh, so I came into the, the church network, the Engage Network, a little over a year ago. And now God has us on the ground in Huxley. We live there. We moved there in July. And we are excited and already seeing doors open and opportunities for the church that we, we plan to launch by God's grace early in 2022. Even after the first service today, somebody walked up to me and said, go Bombers, uh, Ballard Bombers. And, then, and they grew up in Ballard. And then somebody else walked up and slipped me a piece of paper with a name on it. So somebody that we could follow up to. So it's cool to see uh, how the Engage Network works together, how God is just blessed in, in bringing uh, all of those pieces of the puzzle together. And, and thank you so much for your support. Pastor Josh was talking about the offering uh, before we sang, and I want you to know that I genuinely, genuinely do appreciate that so very much. Uh, your sacrifice and your service is such an encouraging thing. I take your Bibles, please, and open them to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It's just a very short text this morning uh, that we're going to be looking at, but we're going to kind of be seeing how it is nestled in a very uh, important passage of Scripture here in the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible or a phone or whatever you might have, I'm going to read the first three verses of Acts chapter 13, and then we'll have a word of prayer as we begin this morning. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, says, Now there were at the church at Antioch, Prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this text the challenge that it presents before us today. I pray that you would allow me to communicate clearly to your people and that they would be encouraged and challenged this morning. May you be glorified in all that is said and all that is done. May our joy be complete because of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message this morning is really a question, why plant churches? Why plant churches? And just by way of introduction, I want to share with you some objections to that. And, and I take these objections from uh, an article uh, by a man named uh, Dr. Timothy Keller. And he has an article entitled, Why Plant Churches? 
And I didn't steal his title. I had it. And then I found this article and I thought it was really good. And I'm not going to be able to share it all with you. But if you're interested, I would really encourage you Google that. Why Plant Churches by Timothy Keller. Uh, I don't know how you do small groups here or something, but maybe even for a small group time, it'd be a great article to read and just, and just think about what you're part of here in the Engage Network. And really in this article, Timothy Keller is dealing with three common objections to planting churches. And one of those objections is this, why plant churches? We already have plenty of churches. We don't need another one. We already have plenty of churches. Uh, When we drive to New City Church, which is where my family serves right now during our residency, we drive on the north side of Ankeny on 36th Street. And on on that street, just in about a mile long stretch, there are three churches right there. Uh, my parents are in Waterloo, Cedar Falls, and, and there's, a, there's what's called Green Hill Road. And if you drive down Green Hill Road, you will drive by all of these churches on Green Hill Road. There's places that you can go and you just see churches all over. Why do we need another church? Look how many are there. That's a, a common objection. Another objection might be this. Well, the church going public is really just a shrinking pie. And, and the more you slice up that pie, the, the less there is to go around. Uh, It's almost November, it's almost Thanksgiving, it's almost pumpkin pie time, and and you want to be in a a family of four when the pumpkin pie comes out, not a family of ten like me, okay? Uh, Because then the slices just get smaller and you have to compensate with whipped cream, right? Uh, You understand the illustration that if you, okay, we got one pie and we have to divide it between four people, everybody gets, you know... Uh, you know, a, a third, and then dad gets the bigger piece. Or wait, I did that wrong. I shouldn't have done math in my head. I'm sorry. You understand the illustration. The church going public is a shrinking pie. The more churches, we're just slicing it up smaller and smaller. That's a common objection. Objection number three, many churches are struggling to stay open. We should help them. We need better churches, stronger churches, healthier churches, not more churches. And in some way, shape, or form, I have heard all of these arguments, all of these objections. Even when I was stepping away from the church where I was pastoring, I heard things like this. Why would you leave a church without a pastor to go plant a church that doesn't exist yet? But ironically, it was just a few weeks ago, I was talking to somebody in the Engage Network, and they said, you know, I I hear those arguments, I hear those objections, and they just don't resonate with me. I, I just don't think they're true. And I think that is a testimony to the God-glorifying DNA of the Engage Network churches. You're not clinging to your people. You're not clinging to your resources. The heart of the Engage Network, the heart of Living Waters Fellowship, is to see more churches that more people may be brought into the kingdom of Christ. And that is right and healthy. I can't share all of the article with you this morning, but along that line, I just want to share one quote from this article that was so, so encouraging, so challenging. Dr. Timothy Keller says this, the vigorous, continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for the numerical growth of the church, for the numerical growth of the body of Christ in a city, and also the continual corporate renewal and revival of the existing churches in a city. There is nothing else, not crusades, not outreach programs, parachurch ministries, growing mega churches, or congregational consulting, nor church renewal processes that will have the same consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church planting. This is an eyebrow-raising statement, but to those who have done the study, it's not even controversial. Church planting is good for the church universal, and for the church local. 
One man I heard said it like this, a rising tide raises all boats. A rising tide raises all boats. And as we plant churches, we are provoking and encouraging and strengthening and, strengthening and bringing about more and greater impact for the body of Christ. You know, there's other, other objections that could be raised. And as I thought about living waters this week, I thought, you know, you know some churches could say, well, you know, we're, we're a church plant ourselves and we're just too young. We can't really give a lot to church planting. Maybe a church could say, you know, we, we don't even have walls finished in our building yet. We, we can't really give to church planting. There are so many objections that could be made, so many excuses that we could make, but I thank you and I encourage you this morning, Living Waters Fellowship, you are sacrificing, even as you have an ongoing need yourselves, you are sacrificing to see churches planted. I believe this is right. I believe this is biblical and God will bless it. And I am humbled and appreciative for your willingness to sacrifice and support the work that God is beginning in Huxley. But I don't just want to make an argument from objections this morning. I don't want to just share personal stories or my own thoughts. I want to show you from this text the answer to that question, why we should plant churches. And I'll, and I'll spoil it. I'll give you the answer right here at the, Bible, the beginning. Why should we plant churches? Because it's biblical. We should plant churches because it's biblical. And it's not biblical just because of this one text. It's an argument that's consistent throughout the entire New Testament. And I thought it would be kind of hard to preach the entire New Testament in one sitting this morning. So I picked one example, but let me give you just some others to think about. Church planting is biblical, not just because of this text, but because it fill, fulfills the biblical commission. Church planting is biblical because it fulfills the biblical commission. And of course, I'm talking about Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, where Christ said to his disciples, do what? Go and make disciples, baptize them, teach them to observe all things. Now, there are many ways that that can be carried out, but one way that we see that carried out very specifically is through the work of the local church. That should be happening. That's what the local church should be about, is seeing people come to know Christ, follow Him in, in baptism, and then conform their lives to all that Christ has said. And if you're here this morning, I, I don't recognize every face. I don't know everybody. So if you're visiting or if you've only been here a few times, or maybe you've been coming here for years and you still don't understand what it means to have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I urge you this morning to receive salvation through Christ. Become a follower of Him, just, not just by, by doing things that you think Christians do, but by repenting of your sin and receiving by faith the righteousness of Christ. If you've never done that, talk to Pastor Josh. Talk to one of the pastors. I'd love to talk to you myself. Talk to the person who invited you, that you can know you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Church planting fulfills the biblical commission. Church planting follows the biblical pattern. You know, it's very interesting to me that what we have in, in the Great Commission, in just a couple of verses, you actually have that entire narrative played out or worked out in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, what does he say? But you will be my witnesses. You will receive power and be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and unto the ends of the earth. And the rest of the book of Acts actually shows exactly how that was carried out. And we see it being carried out through the establishment of churches. Church planting fulfills the biblical commission. It follows the biblical pattern. And 
Church planting fits the biblical picture. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4. What is the picture of the church? It's the picture of the body. It's the picture of the body working together, each part doing what it can, each part doing what it needs to so that the body functions appropriately. What a powerful illustration that is. It's very easy for us to understand, and church planting really fits that picture. I I hate to say this because it's so wrong, but I have been in situations, I've been in churches where 10% of the people were doing 90% of the work. That's not right. That's not biblical, and that's not the way it should be. I I just want to give you guys credit. Look, church planting almost forces that to be impossible. You remember when you started coming to Living Waters? You'd visited like two times and they're going, hey, we're going to put you on a setup team, right? You've got a pulse. You've got a warm body. You're working in nursery next week, right? That's the kind, it just, it takes a lot of people. There's chairs that have to be set up. There's things that have to be done. And, and, and you're logging on to the, you know, you're looking and going, hey, where is church going to be? Are we going to be in the theater? Are we going to be in a tent? Are we going to be, you know, where is it going to be? And people are serving and people are stepping up and, and every part has to do their part or church just flat out doesn't happen. It fits the biblical picture and it's good that it provokes us to be that way. So my big idea for you today really is not just these three verses, but I think it's the argument of of the entire New Testament because after the book of Acts, what do you have? You have all these epistles. And who are the epistles written to? Little local churches that have been planted and established. So my argument that church planting is biblical really, I think, is, is clear. But I also want to ask you another question. What do we learn from this particular text about planting churches. So why plant churches? Because it's biblical. It's the right thing for us to do. It follows the biblical commission. It fits the biblical pattern and it fulfills the biblical picture. But what do we learn from these short verses? And I want to show you four things this morning. First of all, churches plant churches. Two, it takes people. Three, it takes sacrifice. And fourth and finally, church planting is God's work. Let's lean into that first one this morning. Look at verse 1 again with me, please. I want you to see clearly that churches plant churches. Churches plant churches. Now, there were in in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. I'm very thankful that the Engage Network understands this. It is churches that plant churches. Early on when I came into the Engage Network, I was a little bit different Uh, Even talking to some of you this morning, I know you were part of other church plants even before you came here. Pastor Josh was part of Lakeside before he came here. And and that wasn't my story. I kind of came in from the outside. And so we had had left our ministry. We'd moved down here. We'd been here a grand total of about two months. And I'm in a a lead church planter meeting. And all of these guys are sitting around talking. And they said, okay, Stephen, we want you to know uh, we love you. We support you. But what are we going to do with this guy? He doesn't belong to anybody, okay? He, he's, not, he's not from Sailorville. He's not from Living Waters. He's not from Lakeside. He, you know, we kind of brought this guy in, and now we got to figure out who does he belong to? You know, I'm walking around like that Dr. Seuss book. Are you my mother? You know, I've got five kids. I have a lot of children's references and illustrations. And, and I'm sitting here, I'm sitting in this meeting going, um, I hope somebody steps up. 
And the engaged network, that, that, this wasn't just a logistical thing. It wasn't just about the finances or, or who's going to bear the title, his sending church. They believe this principle, it's churches that plant churches. That's why it's the core group model. And we're going to talk more about that later. And I rejoice to tell you this morning, Living Waters, that New City Church, at two and a half years old, in the middle of a capital campaign, a building campaign themselves, that church stepped up and voted overwhelmingly to be the sending church of myself and my family in the Huxley area. What an encouragement and what a blessing that is and what a challenge it is because there's no way that any church, that our church or any church after should ever come along and say, well, we're too young, we're too small, we, we can't afford to be part of church planting. Our mom church basically planted us when she was two and a half years old. What a step of faith. And I believe God will bless that. Churches plant churches. And what you see in verse one is that there is a church in Antioch, but where did that church come from? That church came out of the church in Jerusalem. Let's turn back to chapter 11 of the book of Acts, just real quick. Chapter 11 of the book of Acts, and if you look at verse 19 of Acts 11, it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and look at this, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And the report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came, he saw the grace of God, and he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast hope. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and they taught and a great many people, they taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. I want to do something here. We put the text up on the screen for you and, and, and you already read that and, and we're focusing just on the three verses. But if you want a homework assignment for this afternoon, take Acts chapter 11 and 12 and read it and pay attention to what's going on with Jerusalem and Antioch. And then read Acts chapter 13 and 14 and see what happens when Paul and Barnabas go out. Do you see what the church is doing here? Verse 20 and 21, they're leading people to the Lord. Verse 23, they're, they're exhorting and they're preaching. Verse 11, or excuse me, chapter 11, verse 26, they're organized, they're teaching, they're discipling, they're meeting the needs of others. Jump, jump beyond even where we read and you see they're recognizing elders and leaders Move into chapter 12, the gospel is spreading and, and God's servants are returning to share what he has done. Why is it important to notice this? Well, let's ask ourselves the question, what did Paul and Barnabas do when they were sent out? I'm going to leapfrog over our text. We, we read in verses 1 through 3 of Acts 13 that Paul and Barnabas are sent out. What do they do? We've got another slide here. I'm going to show you just what's taking place in chapters 13 and 14. Notice the yellow, the yellow words. They're preaching the gospel and people are being saved. Paul is exhorting and encouraging. The gospel is spreading. Uh, chapter 14, they're sharing their faith and making disciples. Chapter 14, they're, they're exhorting and they're encouraging. Verse 23, they recognize elders. They pray and they fast. And at the very end of chapter 14, what do they do again? They return to share what God is doing. 
And I flew through that really fast. That's why I encourage you to read it. But if you take chapters 13 and 14 of the book of Acts and lay it over chapter 11 and 12, what you will see is that the churches that were planted were doing exactly what they had seen done before them. It's not about novelty. It's not about trying to come up with all of these different things. It's about preaching the gospel, exhorting the saints, and living for Christ. Churches plant churches. It's a reduplication of what they see in the churches that they left. Churches plant churches. Secondly, I want you to see this morning that it takes people. Not only do we see that churches plant churches, but we see that it takes people. Back in chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. Folks, what do we have in verse 1? We have a list of names. We have people. People. And again, I am so thankful that the Engage Network understands this. The churches are planted by a core group. There are people who go out and they launch the church and then that church grows and develops and matures because of salvations. I wish I'd have paid more attention to his name tag, but there was a gentleman, there was an older gentleman who was standing right back there by that door after the 8 a.m. service and he said, we are so excited He said, there are people who are here this morning who know Christ because this church planted right here. And and, and it it just, I don't don't know the story. I I can't even remember the guy's name. But with tears, he is rejoicing. And do you know how that happened? Do you know how God chose to do that? God chose to put the burden in the heart of a man, an individual, Pastor Josh. And there are several of you in here who who rallied around him and, and came with him. And the church is planted by people. God didn't say in verse 3, set apart for me funds and statistics and information. No, he said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. I want them Church planting takes people. Third, I want you to see not only is it that churches plant churches, not only is it that that it takes people, but it also takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. If we look at verse 3, when they send out Paul and Barnabas, just, just remind yourself of the time frame here. How old is the church in Antioch? It, it's barely a year old. Paul has been preaching and teaching there for just over a year. And then the Holy Spirit says, hey, I, I, you, and, you and Barnabas, I want you to go do something else. And it's not like they're giving up the B team. It's Paul and Barnabas. And they lay their hands on them and they send them out. Literally, as you study what that verse says, it says that they released them. They cut them loose to serve. You guys have been through this. Living Waters, you've done this, right? You remember that? You've been part of planting before. You have sent people out before. Was that hard? Was that difficult? Was it a sacrifice? It hurts. Church planting is hard and it is costly. And some of the most faithful people will be sent out. But it is biblical and right. So get behind it, support it, however God leads. 
God may lead you to stay right where you are. God may lead you to be part of a church, of a church plant. But whether you stay or whether you go, it is a sacrifice. Because when people leave, when people step out, other people have to step up. And that is God's challenge. So I encourage you, I exhort you, Living Waters Fellowship, step out or step up. Finally, this morning, I'd like to share with you, not only is it something that we see churches planting churches, not only is it that it requires individuals, it requires a sacrifice, but it is God's work. It is God's work. In verse 3, it says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And now I want you to turn over to uh, chapter 14. The very end, verse 27, when they come back from their church planting journey, it says, when they, Paul and Barnabas, arrived, they gathered together the church and they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. It is exciting. It is humbling. It is so cool to see that what is taking place is God's work. He is doing it. Many of you here have have poured your your blood, sweat, and tears, your finances, your resources, your family time. You've poured it into this church and how thankful we are for that. But at the end of the day, it's all God's work. And it's all for His glory. We're laboring, we're serving, and we're sacrificing. But behind it all, He gets the glory and we get the joy. God does it. And praise the Lord, He does it. Because when we get on board with what He is doing... He will bless it. God will bless it. Have you seen the blessing of God, living waters? You certainly have. God blesses what he does. Church planting is his work and he is blessing his work. We're going to put a map up here. I want you guys to see this. This is something that maybe you saw uh, not too long ago on a video. Those are the, those are the Engage Network churches. And we got, we got our little corner here coming soon, 2022, the Huxley Church Plant. And I want to tell you this, uh, a story this morning, and, and I don't want you to hear this story about me, but I want you to hear what's underneath this story. I want you to, to go back in your minds just a little bit. I've had so many new experiences uh, getting, getting ready to be a church planter. You know, I, I grew up, you know, what, you know what I did all my life growing up? I went to church in a building. Isn't that crazy? We, we usually met in a building, and, and it was usually a church building. And, and now I've had church outside, I've had church in a theater, I, I've, I've never had tent church. Anybody ever had tent church before? You guys ever? Yeah. And on June 13th of this year, you guys had tent church. Do you guys remember what you did on June 20th? You had fairway church. No, you had, <laughs> you were in here. And that was such an exciting time. And because we're at New City, which has to meet on Sunday nights, my Sunday mornings are open right now. And that's been a cool thing. I get to go around and visit it. And I knew that Living Waters, after over a decade, was going to be in their own building. And I was so excited for Josh. And I was so excited for you all. So I got up that Sunday morning on June 20th, and I jumped in my car, and I drove down here. And I was with you guys at 8.30 at your early service. But that same Sunday, June 20th, was Pastor Greg Pollock's last Sunday before his sabbatical at High Point Church. And I'd never been able to hear him preach. 
So I kind of bugged out of here during the last song, no offense, Mr. Worship Leader, but I bugged out of here and I, and I drove up to Bondurant, excuse me, to Altoona, and I was at the High Point Church for their service. Now that was during the time when we weren't living in Huxley just yet, we were living in the temporary housing across from the Sailorville Church, and something that my family would often do is walk across the street, because that's all it was, we'd walk across the street and we'd go to the late service at Sailorville. And so I flew home, and I got there just a little bit late, and I went to the 11 o'clock service at Sailorville with my family. And then I went to my church, my normal church, on Sunday night. I was at four different churches in one Sunday. I'll never do that again. <laughs> Look, folks, I don't tell you that story to sound super spiritual. I want you to hear what that experience was like for me. Four times in four different locations on one Sunday morning, I heard the gospel pre clearly preached. I heard songs of praise joyfully sung, and I saw the body of Christ coming together and encouraging itself. Praise the Lord for that. That's a blessing. If I'd had a fast enough car, I could have gone to two other places. On one Sunday morning across the greater Des Moines area, over 2,000 people, if not closer to 3,000 people, are gathering in engaged network church plants, and the gospel is being clearly preached, and people are being saved and blessed. Amen? Amen. God is blessing what he's doing because it's his work. Look at that. Don't let your friends, don't, don't let your family, don't let your coworkers tell you there's nowhere that they can go to church. And if this, if this church isn't closer to them than one of those is, send them there because you know it's going to be a good church, right? Isn't it great to be able to recommend churches where you know the truth will be taught? It's God's work and he is blessing it. So I challenge you this morning, Living Waters, will you be committed to church planting because it's biblical? Will you be committed to church planting because it's biblical? And you look at me and you go, uh, Stephen, <laughs> did you forget where you are? We are a church plant. We've been doing this for over a decade. Aren't you preaching to the choir? I don't think so. Yes, you are a church plant. And yes, you are sacrificing. You're, you're even getting ready to take up an offering. You're a church plant that's getting ready to give to another church plant. But I'm not asking you just to do all the right things. I'm asking you to be convinced in your heart, Sunday after Sunday, that what this is, is what God has designed. I want you to know that you know that you know that this is biblical and right, and you will give yourself to this local church and to the planting of more local churches. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these dear people. Thank you for the sacrifices that they have made that this church might exist. Thank you for the sacrifice that they're getting ready to make, even to, to help the future church plan in Huxley. And, and Lord, we pray that even more churches beyond that would come into existence because of the consistent sacrifice of your people. 
Lord, may it not just be something that we are happy to be on board with as long as it's going well and smoothly, but may every person in this room be committed to planting churches because it's the biblically right thing to do that glorifies God, brings the word to the lost, and it is a joyful thing to be part of. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It was one year ago, about this time, that God called me and my family from Northeast Iowa into the Engage Network to plant churches. And today, we live in Huxley, and we're so excited about the church plant that's coming up. You may ask the question, why Huxley? Well, first of all, we believe that Huxley needs a church. Huxley is a growing rural community that is underchurched. I didn't say unchurched, but it is underchurched, and it is filled with lost people. There are many Christians in that community who have to leave town. They go other places outside of their community to worship. This doesn't make evangelism impossible, but it can make it more difficult. The best that we can see, there is no strongly evangelistic presence in the community of Huxley. And the demographics of Huxley project that it is a town, a community that will only continue to grow, and this means the need for that church will only grow as well. Huxley needs a church. Second, we believe that God has led us to Huxley. There was no writing in the sky, there's no vision while we slept that led us to step away from 17 years of ministry in the established church to plant churches. But it was the clear and sovereign hand of God that made it overwhelmingly obvious that this is what he had for us. And that's the same way that we feel about Huxley. Through many days of research, prayer, seeking counsel, God gave us clarity. Huxley is the community that he has called us to, and we are so excited. The, in, the endorsement of the other lead pastors of the Engage Network, the provision of resources for our church, even a home for us to live in, all of these things have been God's gracious confirmation. We believe that just as God told Paul in Acts 18, he has many people in this city. Our goal is to launch and establish the church through the efforts and the sacrifice of the committed core group, and that we want to see that church grow through outreach, evangelism, and genuine conversions. Our desire is not just to be a closer, easier option for Christians already in good churches. We want to bring the lost in our community into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you a question. Could God be calling you to Huxley? We are going to Huxley, but we're not going alone. The core group model of church planting is what the Engage Network has been using, and God is blessing it. The core group are individuals who, who God moves in their heart, and they are sent out joyfully by their local churches, and they begin serving from day one to get the new church plant off the ground. Frankly, there can't be a church plant without God bringing us the right people. Perhaps God may call you as an individual or you as a couple, or even your family to be part of this church plan. Would you prayerfully consider if that is the case? But beware of the commitment. Let me be very candid. We're not just looking for grumpy people who are unhappy with Pastor Josh or the leadership of Living Waters. That's not what we want. We want people who are committed to seeing the kingdom of Christ go forward in other places. People who are ready to serve joyfully that the lost might be saved. If you're interested or you feel that God may be calling you to this work, 
A core group application, an email, a letter will be sent out later this week by your church. I encourage you to read over that, look at the application, talk to your pastors, communicate with them and let them know that you're thinking about that. Get feedback. And then if God so leads, fill out the application. I'll get in touch with you and we'll set up an interview. We're assembling that core group right now. And sometime after January 1st, our core group will start meeting together and preparing to launch the church in the spring of 2022. Not everyone will be a part of the core group. Some of you are going to stay right where you are, and I praise the Lord for that. But I do believe that God is calling all of you to pray for the multiplication of churches across the greater Des Moines area. It was one year ago that God brought us to the Des Moines area. And one year from now, with your support and your sacrifice, there will be a brand new gospel-preaching, lost-reaching, Christ-exalting church in Huxley, Iowa. Will you be a part? I hope that you will. Thank you. Love it. Amen. Um, well, let's have Brandon and the music team come up. And as they come up, I just want to share a couple things as we close our service. Paul said in Romans 10, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Amen. You know, I was thinking as, as Stephen has been sharing this morning, I was thinking of 2008, 26-year-old young guy, 20, almost turning 27, somebody sent and took a risk and invested in the gospel in South Des Moines. Amen? I, I mean, you think about how many people have been saved since then and, and how many lives have been changed and how many, how many intertwining of stories God has done through the gospel of Jesus. And, and we just sit back and praise God for that because... We were sent, and praise God, we get to now send. Hallelujah. The fact that there could be a, a gospel church in a, in a new community in this kind of way is so exciting to me. And I think of, we, you know, we met with 14 people in my basement in 2008, and then we moved to the elementary school, and we, we just have barely enough room to meet in the cafeteria, and then we move to the gymnasium, and then we flip the gymnasium, and then we flip it again, and we set up, and we do all these crazy things, and we make all these mistakes, and we do it all so that many of you could come to Christ. Amen. Amen. We lay our lives down so that Jesus can be seen and believed in and exalted and, and rejoiced in. And, and then we buy Eileen's old sweet shop across the street in 2010. And some of you guys remember these stories of you know, our little itty bitty group of church, you know, like 40 some people and we give 20 some thousand dollars in a night to buy that place to finish off the, the funds that we needed to buy that place and turn it into an office building. And all the things that happened through that remodel are quite hilarious, actually, and, and also very inspiring. Little Thomas Anderson putting, you know, flooring down on the main level with Jason helping him out and all the volunteerism that it took to get that little building ready to go with the dream someday that we would have a church home sometime somewhere and God just sets aside a grocery store for us and supernaturally closes other doors so that this door can open church the grace of God 
has been shined down into our church life. For what purpose? To shine it into somebody else's life. So, we, Stephen, we just say to you and to Ellen, we are with you. We love you. We're excited to give, if that's what God's calling us to, give and support the, the mission, or to go. Like, either way, the Great Commission calls us to take action. So whatever that action is for you, we're just going to launch into some singing, into some worship, and just, I don't know, two things. Praise God while you sing, and pray to God while you sing. And may all the glory be, be God's, okay? So let's just all stand up together, and let's close our time with some song, singing.